0: Chapters 18 through 22 of The Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Coleman. The Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Volume 1. Translated by John Addington Simmons. Chapters 18-22 through 22. 18 I went off in the direction of Santa Maria Novella, and stumbling up against Friar Alessio Strozzi, whom by the way I did not know, I entreated this good friar for the love of God to save my life, since I had committed a great fault. He told me to have no fear, for had I done every sin in the world, I was yet in perfect safety in his little cell. After about an hour, the eight, in an extraordinary meeting, caused one of the most dreadful bans which ever were heard of to be published against me, announcing heavy penalties against who should harbour me or know where I was, without regard to place or to the quality of my protector. My poor afflicted father went to the eight, threw himself upon his knees, and prayed for mercy for his unfortunate young son. Thereupon one of those radical fellows, shaking the crest of his twisted hood, stood up and addressed my father with these insulting words, Get up from there, and be gone at once, for to-morrow we shall send your son into the country with the lances. My poor father had still the spirit to answer, What God shall have ordained, that will you do, and not a jot or tittle more whereto the same man replied that for certain god had ordained as he had spoken my father said the thought consoles me that you do not know for certain and quitting their presence he came to visit me together with a young man of my own age called piero di giovanni landi we loved one another as though we had been brothers under his mantle the lad carried a first-rate sword and a splendid coat of mail, and when they found me, my brave father told me what had happened, and what the magistrates had said to him. Then he kissed me on the forehead, and both eyes, and gave me his hearty blessing, saying, May the power of goodness of God be your protection. And reaching me the sword and armour, he helped me with his own hands to put them on. Afterwards he added, O my good son, with these arms in thy hand thou shalt either live or die. Landi, who was present, kept shedding tears, and when he had given me ten golden crowns, I bade him remove a few hairs from my chin, which were the first down of my manhood. Prato Alessio disguised me like a friar, and gave me a lay-brother to go with me. Quitting the convent, and issuing from the city by the gate of Prato, I went along the walls as far as the Piazza di San Gallo. Then I ascended the slope of Montui, and in one of the first houses there I found a man called il Grassuccio, own brother to messer Benedetto da Montevaci. I flung off my monk's clothes and became once more a man. Then we mounted two horses which were waiting there for us and went by night to Siena. Grassuccio returned to Florence. "'sought out my father, and gave him the news of my safe escape. "'In the excess of his joy it seemed a thousand years to my father "'till he should meet the member of the eight who had insulted him. "'And when he came across the man he said, "'See you, Antonio, that it was God who knew what had to happen to my son, "'and not yourself?' "'To which the fellow answered, "'Only let him get another time into our clutches.' "'And my father,' I shall spend my time in thanking God that he has rescued him from that fate. 19. At Siena I waited for the mail to Rome, which I afterwards joined, and when we passed the Paglia, we met a courier carrying news of the new Pope, Clement the Seventh. Upon my arrival in Rome, I went to work in the shop of the master goldsmith, Santi. He was dead, but a son of his carried on the business. He did not work himself but entrusted all his commissions to a young man called Lucagnolo from Iesi, a country fellow who, while yet a child, had come into Santi's service. This man was short, but well proportioned, and was a more skilful craftsman than any one whom I had met with up to that time. Remarkable for facility, and excellent in design. He executed large plate only, that is to say, vases of the utmost beauty, basons and such pieces. Having put myself to work there, I began to make some candelabra for the bishop of Salamanca, a Spaniard. They were richly chaste, so far as that sort of work admits. A pupil of Raffaello Urbino, called Gianfrancesco, and commonly known as Il Fattore, was a painter of great ability, and being on terms of friendship with the bishop, he introduced me to his favour, so that I obtained many commissions from their prelate, and earned considerable sums of money, during that time i went to draw and sometimes in Michelagnolo's chapel and sometimes in the house of agostino chichi of siena which contained many incomparable paintings by the hand of that great master raffaello this i did on feast days because the house was then inhabited by messer gismondo agostino's brother they plumed themselves exceedingly when they saw young men of my sort coming to study in their palaces gismondo's wife noticing my frequent presence in that house she was a lady as courteous as could be, and of surpassing beauty, came up to me one day, looked at my drawings, and asked me if I was a sculptor or a painter. To whom I said I was a goldsmith. She remarked that I drew too well for a goldsmith, and having made one of her waiting maids bring a lily of the finest diamonds set in gold, she showed it to me, and bade me value it. I valued it at eight hundred crowns. Then she said that I had very nearly hit the mark, and asked me whether i felt capable of setting the stones really well i said that i should much like to do so and began before her eyes to make a little sketch for it working all the better because of the pleasure i took in conversing with so lovely and agreeable a gentlewoman when the sketch was finished another roman lady of great beauty joined us she had been above now descending to the ground floor asked madonna pozia what she was doing there she answered with a smile "'I am amusing myself by watching this worthy young man at his drawing. "'He is as good as he is handsome.' "'I had by this time acquired a trifle of assurance, "'mixed, however, with some honest bashfulness. "'So I blushed, and said, "'Such as I am, lady, I shall ever be most ready to serve you.' "'The gentlewoman, also slightly blushing, said, "'You know well that I want you to serve me. "'And reaching me the lily, told me to take it away.' and gave me besides twenty golden crowns which he had in her bag, and added, Set me the jewel after the fashion you have sketched, and keep for me the old gold in which it is now set. On this the Roman lady observed, If I were in that young man's body, I should go off without asking leave. Madonna Portia replied that virtues rarely are at home with vices, and that if I did such a thing, I should strongly belie my good looks of an honest man. Then turning round, she took the Roman lady's hand, and with a pleasant smile said, Farewell, Benvenuto. I stayed on a short while at the drawing I was making, which was a copy of A Jove by Raffaello. When I had finished it and left the house, I set myself to making a little model of wax, in order to show how the jewel would look when it was completed. This I took to Madonna Pozzia, whom I found with the same Roman lady. Both of them were highly satisfied with my work, and treated me so kindly that, being somewhat emboldened, I promised the jewel should be twice as good as the model. Accordingly, I set hand to it, and in twelve days I finished it in the form of a fleur-de-lis, as I have said above, ornamenting it with little masks, children, and animals, exquisitely enamelled, whereby the diamonds which formed the lily were more than doubled in effect. 20. While I was working at this piece, Lucagnolo, of whose ability I have before spoken, showed considerable discontent, telling me over and over again that I might acquire far more profit and honour by helping him to execute large plate, as I had done at first. I made him answer that, whenever I chose, I should always be capable of working at great silver pieces, but that things like that on which I was now engaged were not commissioned every day, and beside their bringing no less honour than large silver plate, there was also more profit to be made by them. He laughed me in the face, and said, Wait and see, Benvenuto, for by the time that you have finished that work of yours, I will make haste to have finished this vase, which I took in hand when you did the jewel, and then experience shall teach you what profit I shall get from my vase, and what you will get from your ornament." I answered that I was very glad indeed to enter into such a competition with so good a craftsman as he was, because the end would show which of us was mistaken. Accordingly, both the one and the other of us, with a scornful smile upon our lips, bent our heads in grim earnest to the work, which both were now desirous of accomplishing, so that after about ten days each had finished his undertaking with great delicacy and artistic skill lucagnolo's was a huge silver piece used at the table of pope clement into which he flung away bits of bone and the rind of divers fruits while eating an object of ostentation rather than necessity the vase was adorned with two fine handles together with many masks both small and great and masses of lovely foliage in as exquisite a style of elegance as could be imagined on seeing which I said it was the most beautiful vase that ever I set eyes on. Thinking he had convinced me, Lucagnolo replied, Your work seems to me no less beautiful, but we shall soon perceive the difference between the two. So he took his vase and carried it to the Pope, who was very well pleased with it, and ordered at once that he should be paid at the ordinary rate of such large plate. Meanwhile I carried mine to Madonna Pozzia, who looked at it with astonishment, and told me I had far surpassed my promise. Then she bade me ask for my reward whatever I liked, for it seemed to her my desert was so great that if I craved a castle she could hardly recompense me. But since that was not in her hands to bestow, she added laughing that I must beg what lay within her power. I answered that the greatest reward I could desire for my labour was to have satisfied her ladyship. And smiling in my turn and bowing to her, I took my leave, saying I wanted no reward but that. She turned to the Roman lady, and said, You see that the qualities we discerned in him are accompanied by virtues, and not vices. They both expressed their admiration, and then Madonna Pozia continued, Rent benvenuto, have you never heard it said that when the poor give to the rich, the devil laughs? I replied, Quite true. And yet in the midst of all his troubles I should like this time to see him laugh. And as I took my leave, she said that this time she had no will to bestow on him that favour. When I came back to the shop, Lucagnolo had the money for his vase in a paper packet, and on my arrival he cried out, "'Come and compare the price of your jewel with the price of my plate.' I said that he must leave things as they were till the next day, because I hoped that even as my work in its kind was not less excellent than his, so I should be able to show him quite an equal price for it. 21. On the day following, Madonna Pozia sent a major-domo of hers to my shop, who called me out, and putting into my hands a paper packet full of money from his lady, told me that she did not choose the devil should have his whole laugh out by which he hinted that the money sent me was not the entire payment merited by my industry, and other messages were added worthy of so courteous a lady. Lucagnolo, who was burning to compare his packet with mine, burst into the shop, then in the presence of twelve journeymen and some neighbours, eager to behold the result of this competition, he seized his packet, scornfully exclaiming, Ooh, ooh! three or four times, while he poured his money on the counter with a great noise." "'they were twenty-five crowns in Julio's, "'and he fancied that mine would be four or five crowns di moneta. "'I, for my part, stunned and stifled by his cries "'and by the looks and smiles of the bystanders, first peeped into my packet. "'Then, after seeing that it contained nothing but gold, "'I retired to one end of the counter, "'and, keeping my eyes lowered and making no noise at all, "'I lifted it with both hands suddenly above my head, "'and emptied it like a mill-hopper. "'My coin was twice as much as his, "'which caused the onlookers, "'who had fixed their eyes on me with some derision, "'to turn round suddenly to him and say, "'Lucagnolo, Benvenuto's pieces, "'being all of gold and twice as many as yours, "'make a far finer effect.' "'I thought for certain that what with jealousy "'and what with shame, "'Lucagnolo would have fallen dead upon the spot.' and though he took the third part of my gain since i was a journeyman for such is the custom of the trade two-thirds fall to the workmen and one-third to the masters of the shop yet inconsiderate envy had more power in him than avarice it ought indeed to have worked quite the other way he being a peasant's son from "'he cursed his art and those who taught it him, vowing that thenceforth he would never work at large plate, "'but give his whole attention to those brothel gewgaws, "'since they were so well paid. "'Equally enraged on my side, "'I answered that every bird sank its own note, "'that he talked after the fashion of the hovels he came from, "'but that I dared swear that I should succeed with ease "'in making his lubberly lumber, "'while he would never be successful in my brothel googors.' Thus I flung off in a passion, telling him that I would soon show him that I spoke truth. The bystanders openly declared against him, holding him for a lout, as indeed he was, and me for a man, as I had proved myself. 22. Next day I went to thank Madonna Pozzia, and told her that her ladyship had done the opposite of what she said she would, for that while I wanted to make the devil laugh, she had made him once more deny God we both laughed pleasantly at this and she gave me other commissions for fine and substantial work meanwhile i contrived by means of a pupil of raffaello diabino to get an order from the bishop of salamanca for one of those great water vessels called aqua which are used for ornaments to place on sideboards he wanted a pair made of equal size and one of them he entrusted to lucagnolo the other to me Giovan francesco the painter i have mentioned gave us the design accordingly i set hand with marvellous good-will to this piece of plate and was accommodated with a part of his workshop by a milanese named maestro Giovanni piero dell'etaca having made my preparations i calculated how much money i should need for certain affairs of my own and sent all the rest to assist my poor father it so happened that just when this was being paid to him in florence he stumbled upon one of those radicals who were in the eight at the time when i got into that little trouble there it was the very man who had abused him so rudely and who swore that i should certainly be sent into the country with the lances now this fellow had some sons of very bad morals and repute wherefore my father said to him "'Misfortunes can happen to anybody, "'especially to men of choleric humour "'when they are in the right, "'even as it happened to my son. "'But let the rest of his life "'bear witness how virtuously "'I have brought him up. "'Would God, for your well-being, "'that your sons may act "'neither worse nor better toward you "'than mine do to me. "'God rendered me able "'to bring them up as I have done, "'and where my own power could not reach, "'it was he who rescued them. "'Against your expectation,' Out of your violent hands. On leaving the man, he wrote me all this story, Begging me for God's sake to practice music at times, In order that I might not lose the fine accomplishment Which he had taught me with such trouble. The letter so overflowed with expressions of the tenderest fatherly affection, That I was moved to tears of filial piety, Resolving before he died, To gratify him amply with regard to music, Thus God grants us those lawful blessings which we ask in prayer, nothing doubting. End of chapters 18 through 22